Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Hey everybody, welcome to Best to the Nest. I'm Elizabeth Reese. Who are you, lovely lady? I'm Marjorie Punnett, and I'm on a phone in Kansas. Look at that. (laughs) I know. Marjorie Punnett from Kansas. We will explain how she has multi-nest situations going on. Welcome to Best to the Nest. This is the podcast where Marjorie and I discuss everything home, everything about making your home the most happy, healthy, uh, fulfilling place that it can be so that when you leave your little nest, you fly in a straight line, hopefully. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe some days are better than others. We're so happy that you're here with us. And, um, you know, normally, Marjorie, when we do this podcast, I am in the MyTalk 1071 studio here in the Twin Cities. And and then you are in Phoenix. Yep, I'm in the studios there in Phoenix. But this morning, uh, as we've talked about a little bit before, I am, I would say in a commuter marriage, my husband says we're in a long distance marriage. <laughs> uh, because the last time I was in Kansas, he lives in Manhattan, Kansas. The last time I was here was Christmas. So it was about six weeks ago. And that's a long stretch. That's a very long stretch. And so wow. we're trying to we're trying to figure out how to get it, you know, to every two weeks, every three weeks that we see each other. So that's the um, longest. That's got to be the longest that you've gone, hasn't it? Six weeks? Yeah. Yeah. Six weeks. And and that's difficult. And, you know, we're going to get into talking about um, sort of the, the benefits and the not so great benefits of being in a commuter marriage. But let's start with talking about the fact that you were at a wedding yesterday. <laughs> I was. I was at a wedding and I officiated a wedding, Marjorie. This was amazing. I have officiated one wedding prior to this, um, uh-huh. but I didn't legally do the ceremony because um, it was in Mexico. And so the couple got legally married back in the Twin Cities. Right. Uh, this was, I actually went and got licensed to officiate a wedding, um, which I was sort of conflicted about, but then I ended up feeling good about. And I married a couple on live television. <laughs> Can I see this? Is there any way to see this? You can totally see it. You can go to TwinCitiesLive.com and you can watch it. It's called our Cupid's Couple Wedding. So what we do on Twin Cities Live that's really fun is we've done lots of weddings on the show. I think this was probably our sixth, something like that. And we essentially, um, in a lot of cases, we give it away as a contest. So we teamed up with these guys, the wedding guys. They're awesome. They do like big bridal shows. Mm -hmm. And they... um, wanted to give away a wedding. So the prize was valued at $25,000. I mean, it was huge. Whoa. It included everything. And Which we know a, a, a wedding can easily cost twenty. Easily. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Even with a blink of an eye, a wedding can cost $25,000. It's so that's crazy. That's a great prize. So we had a bunch of finalists. We, um, Our team narrowed it down to several finalists, and then uh, we had the viewers vote on who they wanted to get married. Oh, how fun. And this uh, Invergrove Heights couple, so that's a suburb of the Twin Cities, uh, their names are Liz and 
and Ange, and they've been together. They've known each other for 23 years, together mm. for 17 years, and they have two kids together, uh, Olivia, who's 10, and then Luke, who oh. is, oh gosh, I want to say Luke is either seven or eight. He's just the cutest. And yeah. and I was able to marry them, and it was, it was really, really fantastic. You know, something that's so beautiful about weddings, and my sister's wedding is coming up next week, so I'm kind of in like the wedding zone, which is sort of a funny time of year to be in wedding mode, but I think it's such a good opportunity to sort of look back at your own start if you are married or if you're not married and but you're in a committed relationship to look at that commitment that you have with each other and just sort of reappreciate that commitment and and then you no, know, I agree. use that going and forward. I agree and I think that's something and and gosh, when you get married on TV, that is the definition of a public wedding. Yeah. But even if you're standing in a church or you're in um, you know, in, in wherever you choose to have the marriage or to have the wedding, it's that social aspect of we're committing to each other in front of all of you. We will need your support going forward. And I think that's the part whenever I go to a wedding, that's the part of it I'd love is it's a, that quick reevaluation of your own vows. Yeah. And that I that idea of the public declaration of your love. I totally agree. Really something really beautiful about that. Well, and, and then also in this case, there's an understanding too of marriage is not just about two people. I mean, yep. it is about two people, but it's really about the foundation of a family. And that was really the theme of this oh. wedding yesterday. And then it's also about community support because you need support from other people yeah. in order to maintain a marriage. I just really believe that. Like, I don't think you can just be on an island nope. and make it. I mean, you've got to no. have that support. You have to have that family commitment. And sometimes, you know, that can be what keeps you in it when it's tough. <laughs> it's like, yeah. you know, I've got to stay in this for everybody else and that can help you kind of get over the hump of some of the hard times and this marriage was particularly special because it was our first same-sex wedding that we've ever done on Twin Cities Live you know oh. uh, gay marriage became legal in the state of Minnesota in 2013 Yay. and that Yay. was something that I personally voted for when the vote came up I yes. checked yes and so personally I just felt I felt really proud I could like cry talking about it um, because I just felt really proud to be part of it. And I felt like I think a lot of us didn't necessarily grow up. We definitely didn't grow up in a time when gay marriage was accepted or legal. None of us did. Right, and right. I didn't grow up necessarily even um, being taught that that was okay. And right. so I think that for now, for me feeling like I was able to really just stand on what I believe is the right side of history and right. to be able to be part of something that showed that love is love and was just in my opinion, very anti-discriminatory. I felt yeah. so, I felt proud. I felt proud. It was like a moment that I felt like I'm proud that I did that and I'm proud that I was part of it and I'll be proud to tell my children that and I was proud to tell my husband and so it just felt good. It was really great. It should, and It should feel good and I think that, you know, I think all of us are just human and as these things start to feel like, oh, that makes sense. My hope is that everybody's expectation of what love can look like just gets wider and wider and wider. Yeah, I totally And I agree. think... I think for me, you know, I grew up in a high rise in Chicago and right and, and that's a different way to grow up, you know, I think because you share your floor, 
with several families. You know, there were five other apartments on the on the floor where I grew up. And right across the way, our neighbors were a gay couple. And this would have been in the 70s. Gosh. And they lived together the whole time I grew up. Yeah. And so it was just the most, for me, it was, they were adorable and they loved each other. And they were a better match, I think. And I hope mom doesn't hear this, but they were a better match than my own parents <laughs> who are divorced. So. <laughs> They were a great example of love for me and stability and kindness. And and they were so, you know, they were so wonderful. And so it's, you know, I think that just familiarity breeds acceptance. Yeah, and that's so true. you can be so proud of what you did because it just, it just right there, everybody gets to watch a beautiful ceremony that's no different than any other wedding. These are two people who are in love who want to build a family, who have jobs, who just want to exist in the world and have what we all deserve, which is love. Yeah, you are totally right. And that was the theme of even having conversations with them was just like, we're just a normal family. And yeah. um, and I was just really proud about the support that we got from the community. Good. I mean, I'll, you know, I'll be perfectly upfront. I mean, I didn't know if I was going to get emails from people who said this was terrible or who right. said, I can't believe you're involved with this. And right. uh, we, we definitely we got a few emails. We got a few yeah. messages from people, which I think was expected, but boy, far and away, Marjorie, it was good. support. So oh, that made me stuff. have, that made me feel good. I mean, I would have done it regardless. I mean, I don't care if I would have gotten a thousand emails, hate emails. Right. That being said, what it gave me was just a lot more faith in our community as a whole. And just again, being really proud to be where I'm from in terms yeah. of, you know, what is, what is the outlook on people and what do we value in our community? And we value family, we value love, and we value yeah. positive contributions to the community. So it felt really good. But it was another um, example, I think, of like marriages can look different for different people. And (laughs) that tied in beautifully with the topic of kind of distance relationships and which I think always ties back to our mission, which is talking about our homes and making our homes really happy and healthy and wonderful. And a lot of people, Marjorie, look at your marriage and they're like, what in the hizel are you all doing? (laughs) Yes, they do, and they always have. From the day from the day we got married, people are like, "What the hell?" You know, it was funny last night. I was looking up. I was just looking up commuter marriages. Like, what does that look like? And you know, you know, when you Google something like that, there's going to be a million studies about commuter marriages and how to make them work. And it's funny because I've done this twice with my husband, and I've never Googled it before. You know, I've never looked for any advice. So on how funny. To do it. But it, what was what was great is there was a, a study done by some therapist and, and professor and in her when they were quoting talking about a commuter marriages she kept calling them non-normative marriage oh man that feels great that's like when they say <laughs> geriatric pregnancy when you're over 35 and it makes you want to throw something i know a non-normative marriage so i'm not going to ever call it a commuter marriage anymore i'm going to call it a non-normative marriage <laughs> a non-normative marriage there's a lot of things about you that are non-normative and that's why i adore I you I know. That's strange. Um, but, you know, it is, it's, it's interesting. And it goes back again when we talk about being at a wedding and it, it, it forces you to reevaluate your relationship. In a way, being in a long distance relationship or a commuter marriage forces you to constantly evaluate what you're doing. Yes. Which I, 
which I think a lot of times in, in marriage, especially when you have kids, part of that, for better or for worse, you have to be on autopilot. Those days are so full. You've got practice. You've, you know, you've got all the stuff the kids need to do that there isn't, you kind of go on autopilot. Well, it's a lot of survival. At least I know I did. Yeah, it's Aren't a me? lot of, I mean, some days it's just like we're just surviving. Yeah, and so there isn't, there isn't really the luxury of going, hmm, how am I feeling today about this? You know, it's just like you're in it. And I think that the interesting thing about being in a commuter parent, and, and Ian, my husband just um, moved from Phoenix in uh, November. And so this is, we haven't been doing it this long this time, but we had been through this before. Actually, when Elizabeth and I did the radio show together, Ian and I were apart from each other for 18 months. Mm-hmm. So we've been through it for that long of a, a time before. But I think for us, and and I'd be curious, and you know, I, I hope people will either, you know, give us comments about if they're in a commuter marriage or a long distance relationship about the things that they do that make it work. But the not taking your relationship for for granted is I think the key to have to doing it successfully and then to also make sure you stay married and that's one of the things Ian and I have never taken for granted we both are pretty strong people and we both have lots of career goals we're pretty self-sufficient and so those personality types we both know that a marriage can end true you know we we don't we don't depend on each other in that way where it's like we're super needy mm-hmm. in that sense although i need him desperately even that sounds contradictory no it doesn't so, because you're talking about like needing him for the basic essentials right like protection you know finance i mean those types of things it can be different when you when you're at a when that type of like you don't need each other for those things it's just a different type of needing right it's it's we come to each other hopefully and this is with some therapy everybody um emotionally whole and so i think for us i don't i know we could not have done this when i was younger yeah i know it I I just was not, I was just not pulled together enough to be able to pull this off. And I know we couldn't have done it when we had kids. And I think that that's something we were going to chat about in a minute. I know we couldn't have done this. And I know there are lots of people that do. For me, I never could have done that. Mm -hmm. We come to this at a very different place. You know, our kids are older. They're in their mid to late 20s. So it virtually has no effect on them in, in the sense of their formation. And so it's really all we have to focus on is that we make sure that we're staying in touch with each other, in touch with each other's emotions, in touch with each other's loneliness, in touch with each other's careers, that we're each other's caretakers, even from a distance. You but- know, my parents did this too, Marjorie, which remember when we started the radio show together, my parents did that for, they did it for six years, Marjorie. I don't six know Six years I- commuter. I don't know that I could do it for six years. It was, I think, too long. And I think both of them would agree that it was too long. And it was when my dad was working in St. Louis and my mom was still in the Twin Cities and they weren't committed to moving the family's home base. Now, we were all grown, too. So So you were out of the house. We were all. But but I was actually back in the house because it was there was a time when I had moved back to Minneapolis after I got my job here in television. So this was like 10 years ago. So it actually worked out great for me because I lived rent free at my parents' house. Sweet arrangement. And then my mom would travel back and forth to St. Louis. And, and I remember I, you know, and she'll talk about this. I mean, they had to work through a lot of things. I think there were some positives. Number one being that when you're in a relationship for a really long time, it can be easy to sort of just get in the habit of taking people for granted. And I think they really found ways to appreciate one another. Like I think my dad got lonely, you know, 
know, I think yeah. my dad was like, wait a second, whoa. Because my dad's definitely more of the introvert in the family. And so he, right. it's easy for him to just like go downstairs and read a book for a long time and not emerge. But I think when he was on his own, he was like, whoa, I really, really miss you know, the bright sunshine that is my mother. Yeah, because I think for someone like your dad, even if he's an introvert, because your mom is just a little ray of sunshine, mm -hmm. just having that even walk through the room, you know, or makes a difference. yeah, yeah. Yeah, but totally she would that. say that there would be, they ended up kind of like re-dating again, mm -hmm. where like she would go to St. Louis and he lived in a condo there, so they didn't have any responsibilities of like home, they had nothing right. to take care of there. It wasn't like mowing right. the lawn, right? So she would go there and he would he would stock the fridge with her favorite things. Yeah. So her like favorite yogurt, her favorite, you know, a, a bottle of wine. And then he would plan, you know, the guys at work talked about this specific pizza place. So let's go there on Friday night. Like he would plan these little outings yeah. for them. And so that part of it, I think, was really great. But then I think as it went on for a very long time, it got more challenging because you just well, missed that home base together. Yeah, I think what happens because Ian does that very much for me. I sort of. I decided to stay behind, and so when we were talking about it, and there was a lot of communication about what was going to happen, so when I decided to stay behind, I committed to him that I would do most of the traveling. Okay. Because for me, I probably, I am a wanderer at heart. When I am moving, I am happy. <laughs> like, for me, being in an airport is not a bad thing, even though I, I kind of, I'm over it now, but when I was younger, I hated to fly, but I still love that that act of movement and I'm going from A to B. You like airports <laughs> and storage units. Yes. <laughs> I'm happy. So <laughs> it's very weird, but it works out well for the commuter marriage. So I sort of made that commitment because what Ian said, and I thought this was really interesting because I, I would have to say I don't have the same feeling. For him, it's very hard for him to live in two places. Yeah. He's a, he, he roots down. He okay. likes to feel like he's rooted somewhere. And so it's even funny, like when you look at our two nests, we, we bought a house in, in Manhattan, in Kansas, and he's here 90% of the time. So it's all him. The things that he loves, it's everything. Within three weeks, this place was a home. Everything was hung on the walls. Everything was, it just, everything makes sense here. My place <laughs> feels a little bit like uh, <laughs> transitory. He's a total <laughs> nester. Yeah, he's an Esther, probably me not so much in that sense. I mean, it's fine, but I just, I don't, I'm not that way. And so it, it's just much easier for me to come here. But to what your dad did for your mom, that's what he does for me. And there's a real sweetness to that. So everything I love is in the fridge. In the best possible way, it's almost like I'm his girlfriend coming for a visit and I'm a guest, which is sort of fun. I don't know. It's sort of fun. I think that's non -normative. really fun. Non normative, no. but sort of fun. <laughs> but you're in a different situation with, and I think this speaks to a lot of younger marriages as well, where Jay's traveling a ton. You know, Jay started traveling, he started traveling a little bit more and he, and I have a lot of friends whose husbands travel yeah. and it's a very, it's a really interesting thing as you kind of figure out the dynamic of that, because I think it's really easy. It's, it's hard to figure out how to be on your own, especially with kids. And then when that other person comes back and right. then you've got a whole nother set of like layers of resentment that come in and then guilt yeah. that comes in that can be really challenging because when you guys are doing this commuter thing, there's no question that it's difficult, but it's also about like communicating with each other and focusing on that relationship for people. I think who have husbands who travel or wives who travel a lot, you're just trying to make it through 
till the next trip, till that person gets back, and then trying to figure out, you know, like the re-entry once right. they get home. And right. um, and so that's been kind of interesting because I get I get into just like I can do this all myself very easily. Yeah. I got it, and I'll just do it myself, and I will just buckle down and put my head down and do all the work until I get there. And I have to remember, like, I have to express to Jay that I need him, even though. I don't really need him on that fundamental level either. Like, I can make it through, right? You know, I need him on a level of connection and on a level of, you know, support and making life more fun and more great. But fundamental, and I'm really proud of this. I mean, I can support myself and I can handle things myself. And that's something that's like a double-edged sword because I'm really proud of that. And that's a big part of who I am is that independence. This also comes through therapy, Marjorie, that I learn (laughs) these things. Yes. That... And the other, on the other hand, I have to remember to always be, to be demonstrating to Jay that I need him and that we are a family unit because it's easy for me to just like buckle down and just go as we demonstrated from the rug situation from the first episode of Best to the Nest. Yeah, I think we're, I think in a way, Elizabeth, I think that's why, I think we're very similar that way. Yeah. It's, I think it's very hard for us to need other people. So hard, Marjorie. Not just hard. So hard. It's the hardest. So hard. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, which is very odd. It is. If I am at my core, I will. If I am very, very honest about who I am, and I feel like, you know, it's just you and I talking, and I know Best to the Nesters (laughs) are the most supportive people in the world. So, I mean, at my core, I know that I fundamentally, down to my bones, feel that needing some someone is a weakness I do and I have to constantly be overcoming that I have to tell myself that that's not true and I have to work through that I mean and that's just that's really interesting that's just being really honest about who I am as a person I'm not proud of that I'm just saying that's that's what I'm working through you know it took me a lot of years to not be proud of that yeah for a lot of years I thought that was like my superpower oh I know I know and it's not no But, you know, I mean, a couple of people have taught me how much I need other people, my husband being the primary one, but you are one of them. This is impossible. (laughs) How could I have taught you that? I haven't even taught it to myself. I have to pay someone to teach me. Pay her regularly. No, you, I needed you. When Ian and I went to our first 18-month commuter marriage bit, you were essential to me. Oh. You were absolutely essential. Because I was also one of those people where I don't have a lot of, I have a couple of really close friends. But I'm not like a girl's girl. Like, I always look at pictures on Facebook of, like, girls that go out with, like, 20 other girls. (laughs) And they're having such a great time. That's never been how I was. I have a couple of very close friends. And so you and I... You just were my, my, you just saved me during that period because we were just became such good friends. Yeah, we did. But I think also I was probably the only person that just wasn't shocked by the arrangement. Like when you said (laughs) Ian and I are going to live, like he's going to go do his thing for a while and I'm going to stay here to do this show. I just thought I didn't, I said, oh, okay. I mean, there wasn't any bit of me that was like, oh, my gosh, how are you going to do that because of the family, because of my situation with my parents having done that. And I think because of that fierce independent streak that I have, too. You're like, yeah. Yeah. None of that shocked me. And so then I think you were like, oh, well, if this doesn't shock her, then we can really have real conversations about this. And 
I, at that time, I had gotten to know your family and your son, in particular, your oldest, Gar, because he interned for us. Yeah. And I knew that your children were how I want my children to be. And I was pregnant at the same time. And so that bond was so solidified. And I knew there was a lot about your marriage. That was how I wanted my marriage to be. And I was getting married and having a baby. And so I just thought, well, I'm going to sit with her for so many hours and I'm just going to just, I'm just going to ask her a lot of questions. (laughs) Soak it all up. Well, I have a, I have one other thing to say about traveling and, you know, for, for the couple's that are in it right now, if your husband or your wife travels and your kids are little, that was our situation when I was working in Chicago. So I was freelance for a lot of years with, um, I worked freelance for, for the Oprah Winfrey show. And I was traveling a ton and the kids were like six and four Man. when it started. They, no, they were younger than that one. Yeah. They were little. And so what we did for a lot of it is we had, at first we had no pair yeah. because I, you know, when one one of your when your partner when your child rearing partner is gone twenty four hours a day you need help yeah you know? so I know so we hadn't we had no pair for part of it and then the best situation we ever had was my younger son's preschool teacher who we just adored Tracy moved in with us oh that's great and so she she was there so when I was coming and going and traveling quite a bit and this didn't go on for years I mean this is I think like a, a period of about a, a year maybe or a year and a half where it just after a while it sort of got untenable yeah but here's the here's the part of it that's from the from the side of the person that's traveling now Ian managed it really well but I was the one that was coming and going or I would be gone for four days and in a hotel sort of the shameful secret of that is I loved it. <laughs> It was fantastic. So you couldn't really talk about. So I remember sitting in a hotel in Chicago and I'm talking to Ian and like he's like talking about like the kids and everything that was going on and how it was a little bit crazy. And I swear to God, Elizabeth, there was a knock on the door and it was room service. Of course it was. Of course it was. Please tell me there was like a bottle of bubbly on ice and like lobster tail. Just make the story that. It, yeah, add that to the story. There was surf and turf arriving. Let's just say yeah. Yes. And like some sort of flourless chocolate cake had to be included in that. Of course there was. But it's like I just remember panicking. Like, like I can't tell him it's room service. I'm like quietly I go to the door and it's like, like signaling to the person like don't speak speak." as he's probably literally eating like cold leftover mac and cheese and just trying to make it and so tired you know he's just so tired anyway so just know that if your partner is traveling that they're probably not admitting to you that there's a large part of it that they just love that's absolutely true marjorie oh my goodness marjorie punnett so much fun So much fun. What are you going to do in Kansas? Well, today I'm actually going. It's kind of fun. I'm going to, so my husband is a professor of communication, so I'm going to um, one of his classes today, and I'm going to talk about podcasting. Yes. Isn't that fun? This is great that you are a one-woman marketing machine. Get those kids (laughs) to listen to our podcast. Exactly. Exactly. So that's going to be fun. So we're doing that. 
And then it's, we really were supposed to get four inches of snow here in Manhattan, Kansas. Mm-hmm. I feel like I always have to say that. Please do. Um, we're going to get four inches of snow. So I think we, we went grocery shopping last night together. Again, sort of a fun thing about a, a long-distance relationship or a commuter marriage, going grocery shopping together yes. feels special. Fine. So so we we bought a bunch of groceries last night, so we're just going to stay in all weekend. So it's going to be lovely and quiet. I love this lovely and quiet. Upon it. What yeah. a joy. It's so much fun to spend time with you. Hearing your laugh is the greatest highlight of my Always. week. So fun. Always. All right. Thank cheers you. to best of the nest. Bye, everybody. Hi, it's Kristen. Did you know that not doing things is easier than doing them? There's a lot of things to do, especially this time of year. But when you don't do things, there's more time to do things. Does that make sense? What I mean is when you use Shipt to get everything from gifts to groceries delivered same day, you have more time for the things you want to do. To not do things so that you can do other things, visit Shipt.com slash holiday. That's S-H-I-P-T dot com slash holiday.